0: Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast, followed by a reflection. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, Spiritual Maxims, Chapter 5, On the Presence of God. The practice of the presence of God is an application of our mind to God or a remembrance of God present. It can be brought about by either the imagination or the understanding. I know someone who for 40 years has been practicing an intellectual presence of God to which he gives several other names. Sometimes he calls it a simple act, a clear and distinct knowledge of God, an indistinct view, or a general and loving awareness of God. Other times he names it attention to God, silent conversation with God, trust in God, or the soul's life and peace. This person told me that all these forms of God's presence are nothing but synonyms for the same thing, and that it is at present second nature to him. Here is how. This person says that the habit is formed by the repetition of acts and by frequently bringing the mind back into God's presence. He says that as soon as he is free from his occupations, and often even when he is most taken up by them, the recesses of his mind or the innermost depths of his soul are raised with no effort on his part and remain suspended and fixed in God above all things as in its center and resting place. Since he is generally aware that his mind, thus held in suspension, is accompanied by faith, he is satisfied. This is what he calls the actual presence of God, which includes all the other types of presence, and much more besides, so that he now lives as if only he and God were in the world. He converses with God everywhere, asks him for what he needs, and rejoices continuously with him in countless ways. It is important, however, to realize that this conversation with God takes place in the depths and center of the soul. It is there that the soul speaks to God heart to heart, and always in a deep and profound peace that the soul enjoys in God. Everything that takes place outside the soul means no more to it than a lit straw that goes out as soon as it is ignited and almost never, or even very rarely, disturbs its inner peace. To get back to the presence of God, I say that this gentle, loving awareness of God imperceptibly ignites a divine fire in the soul, inflaming it so intensely with love of God that one is forced to perform various activities in an effort to contain it. We would be surprised to know What the soul sometimes says to God, who is so pleased with these conversations, that he grants it all its desires, providing it is willing to remain with him always and in its center. To discourage the soul from returning to created things, God takes care to provide it with everything it desires and to such an extent that it often finds within itself a very savory, delicious nourishment, though it never sought nor did anything to obtain it, and in no way contributed to it itself, except by its consent. The presence of God is then the soul's life and nourishment, which can be acquired by God's grace. Here are the means. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Notice the distinction that Brother Lawrence makes at the very beginning of this chapter five. He says that the practice of the presence of God can be brought about either by the imagination or the understanding. He's talking here about two powers of the soul. The imagination is at work when we picture to ourselves Jesus next to us, Jesus in heaven, Jesus across the room. It involves some kind of image, picture in our, the power of our soul we call our imagination. And this use of the image allows us to be calm. It often helps us to avoid distractions. But then he says the other way is by the understanding. And he says that he knows someone, of course he's talking about himself, who practices intellectual presence of God. Intellectual presence by means of the understanding that is the same thing. The intellect is the power by which we understand. We can also call that power the understanding. And this is not so dependent on using an image to picture to ourselves, but by thinking, by grasping something that's true. And this act of understanding that God is present follows from the fact that nothing could exist unless God is holding it in being. It follows from the fact that God is known and loved in us as a friend, and so he must be present. It follows from the fact that Jesus said, if you love me, my father will come and he and I will make our home with you. And based on these truths, we begin to think, to know, to understand that God is present without a lot of use of the imagination. Okay, there are these two ways. Now, within that intellectual presence of God, Brother Lawrence talks about someone who has been raised up in such a way that his mind has been suspended. He describes someone who, for 40 years, doesn't really even have to make a lot of effort, and yet God's presence, this gentle, loving awareness of God is there. And he says that this includes all the others. Now, what we need to take from this is not discouragement, that we're not Brother Lawrence, but that there are degrees... Of this intellectual presence of God. There are degrees within which we become aware that God is present. And he's going to lay out in the next couple chapters a bit of things that we can do to help ourselves. But we shouldn't think that wherever we are now is the limit to what we can achieve. We should not be discouraged by the difficulty of trying to live in the presence of God. God is with us, whether we realize it or not. But this growing awareness, especially thinking about him in the depths of your soul, in your spirit, in the center of who you are, is one of the most valuable practices of the spiritual life. And at first, this practice requires a lot of repetition. At first, this practice requires a lot of effort on our part to try to make real to ourselves, whether in the imagination or the intellect. But over time, the Lord himself infuses into us this loving awareness of himself, this indistinct view He begins to give himself to us, to make himself known. And then this silent conversation follows. This regular, habitual, second nature kind of relationship with the presence of God grows in us. So that wherever we are, it becomes much more easy to be with him, to speak to him, always and everywhere. And on this Thanksgiving weekend in Canada, we remember what the preface says. It's right and just always and everywhere to give you thanks. Always and everywhere, God is with us. And as we pray this chapter, we think, of course, of St. John Henry Newman, who became a Catholic on October 9th, 1845. And when he was 15 years old, He said God suddenly gave him an incredible grace that lasted over a little bit of time, that never left him, that he was aware that there were two beings in the world, himself and God. And he later took as his motto, heart speaks to heart, cor ad cor loquitur. She got from St. Francis de Sales, who's at the background of Brother Lawrence's writings this is the goal of our lives to speak heart to heart with god to be aware that he is who he says he is and that he is with us that he sees us that he loves us that he knows us and he wants us to become aware of him in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen